welcome to Being Desi in America, a space where we amplify South Asian voices. I am Aliha Boyan, one of the co-founders of Being Desi in America and your host for today. It is a beautiful spring evening out here in North Carolina as we are recording our first episode. And to make this even more special, we are joined by Faria Rahman, the president of Bengali Student Association at UNC Chapel Hill and our very own co-founder. Fariha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked that we're getting this started. Me too. So as this is our very first episode, it is only fitting that we start off by sharing the inspiration behind starting this podcast. So how did this idea of a South Asian focused podcast come to you? Originally, how the ideas are developed is more wanting to create a podcast to sort of amplify Bengali voices. But then I, after much discussion with, I would say, the Bengali Student Association board members who are also co-founders of this podcast, we sort of came to the consensus that not only do we want to sort of amplify Bengali voices, but South Asian voices in general, especially those voices that are more like localized in the southern part of the United States. Because currently, I think most of the South Asian sort of conversation or like cultural landscape and representation is pretty dominated by conversations from individuals in northern United States or like more on the western side so it was a more of an intuitive feeling that we should also join the conversation because I feel experiences also differ based on the geographic location so yeah the intention of just wanting to join that conversation kind of brought this podcast about absolutely I honestly could not agree more and I'm happy the idea came when it did because we were able to expand upon that and start this So you're a self-starter. You started many cultural platforms at UNC Chapel Hill, whether it is this podcast or the Bengali Student Association. So why is cultural representation at your institution so important to you? When I started as a freshman, there was still sort of like that sort of lack of, I would say, cultural representation, as in it could have been more improved upon. And Mm -hmm. like one way that I saw that was if you looked up, our institution did not have a Bengali Student Association, but everyone around around us, whether that be Virginia, Tennessee, Georgia, or any other state in the United States basically did have a collegiate level Bengali Student Association. And that motivated me to further enhance the cultural representation at our institution by starting the Bengali Student Association. And then by virtue starting this podcast, which would further amplify our ability to culturally represent everyone. So I think those two in tandem is why like it's really important because my thing is like if everyone else is already on the board, why aren't I think I say this for a lot of people when I say how much we appreciate you for starting the Bengali Student Association because during my first semester at UNC, I definitely felt that lack of belonging. And when you started the organization my spring semester, I felt like I finally found a community and I guess we found each other. For sure. And I think it's just like important for like everyone, especially when they get to college, to find sort of that initial footing. Absolutely. So let's talk about your experience of growing up South Asian and Bengali here in the United States. So how were you able to be connected to your Bengali roots as someone who was born and raised here? A little background about myself is that my parents originally, so my mom immigrated to the U.S. first and then my dad came after. And I think once my dad finally got here, he was very adamant that his one and only daughter has to be brought up with the same cultural norms that he was brought up with. And so before even kindergarten started, my first language was Bangladesh 
Songwa. It wasn't even English. My parents had the perception she'll go to school and learn English. She doesn't have to learn English now. <laughs> and in addition to that, I think like when we'd go to Dawats, which are like all like get-togethers, everyone was already like they want donuts, you know, order a pizza, like all that stuff. But I would shyly but quietly just ask my mom, "What are they serving the rice?" I like all the Bengali <laughs> food, and then that became my identity. Like I was the girl who would like, always eat pulao with a green chili. I would say both food and language is how I've been able to really stay true to like my Bengali roots. I think your love for rice or pot <laughs> is so characteristic of the Bengali identity. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I I think my parents would love you. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I are both Bengali, but we have had very different experiences because I immigrated to America from Bangladesh, but you have lived in America your whole life. So I'm curious: Have you ever noticed a distinction of experience between being the child of immigrants versus being the immigrant oneself? For example, in your conversations with your parents and other elders, like have you ever seen or experienced that distinction? Yeah, that's definitely a good question. In terms of like being born and raised in U.S., there is a cultural disconnect that occurs with not only I would say Bengalis, but like any South Asian individual who's treading into boats.、Uh, whether that be elaborating to your parents, like especially if you're first generation, like I guess like what's happening at school, like this is the school system here because it's completely different from South Asia's school system. I remember like growing、For、up,、sure. that was a challenge to explain to my parents. It's like different grading, different. Requirement. You need to do extracurriculars <laughs> instead of just be like in the books. That、uh, is so true. That was something that was an ongoing like debate between my parents and I to like be like, yeah, I have to do extracurriculars. I have to sort of like you know kind of go to this random racing event to like pass out T-shirts. It's like a part of volunteering. Another thing that being raised here, you have to break a lot of the myths that parents or elders are brought up upon、mm-hmm. to like about the Western culture and be like, it's not entirely what you see on. Friends, or like any other like television show. <laughs> yes, there is a distinction. So I think that's definitely something. It is more difficult for individuals who I would say immigrate versus those who are raised, because at least we have a little bit more of an exposure beforehand. But I know that I've had friends who like, including you, but like I think like others who I know who immigrated here like had that assimilating like challenge. I mean, originally it was difficult. I think for both ends, whether you immigrated or whether you were raised here. Or Not, but like eventually, it comes together for sure. I think it's important for us to acknowledge that it's difficult, regardless of whatever experience you have. You know that split in identities of being South Asian, but at the same time being raised in a Western country. Yeah,、um, lots of internal conflicts that go on, especially、sure. if you're in the Southern United States. I、mm-hmm. think personally, so when I was in kindergarten, I did some of my kindergarten in New York, which like there's already like diversity. A lot of us are children of. Immigrants who had came, so there wasn't like intrigue or like oh like why why do you dress like that? And also like the kindergarten I went to was like uniform based, so like everyone was the same, so no one had like those sort of questions. But when I came here, like I definitely was that brown kid who stood out. And then it's like a matter of like why do you dress like that? What's that smell? <laughs> like you know the Bengalis household scent, which is like、right. very distinct. Back at that time, it it wasn't as diverse、mm-hmm. as it was like up north. Right, and we know that they are getting more diverse now. People talk about how di- diverse. The kindergartens are so I definitely get that, and 
And, you know, as an immigrant myself, when you were talking about that smell, that characteristic smell of Bengali food, that was something that was new to us as well. And we didn't know that it wasn't, and it still isn't as well received. Yeah, and I think it's like something you had to explain. And now it's Desi food is like the rage. Back then it wasn't. So right. like, I think now that's sort of like, we've come far, but there's more ways to go. For sure. Yes. Yeah. No, like in our very own cafeteria, I think I see them serving certain South Asian dishes. For sure. So as Bengalis, we are very familiar with many beautiful aspects of our culture. What do you love about being Bengali and the Bengali culture itself? Yeah, I honestly really love the language. The Bangla language is kind of interesting in a sense that it has a very huge historical backing. I think we're one of the nations who like fought for the Bengali language to be like recognized. International right. Mother Language Day, like 21st February came to be because of the Bangla language. But I think it's just so cool because like knowing Bengali helped me learn other languages. That There is that similarity in the language tree with other languages on the South Asian content. Like lets me be a chameleon sort of like kind of understanding what everyone else is saying. And then another thing is the food. Rice. Daily, that's like a daily staple in the diet but also just like fish i don't think i would be such a fish eater if i hadn't been bengali because i think that's another staple and then like literally having like lentils every day dal we have dal like every day so like those yes. sort of things you know just and i think you also realize like now because i had eaten a lot of home copios it's also kind of healthier at least my mom she like this is why i eat vegetables because she would make it in like different like pajis as we call it so yeah i would again probably reiterate the language and like the food and like the people in general bengalis like i think are quite outspoken but we're very fun to be around <laughs> yes uh my personal favorites if i say so myself are the celebrations because there are so many festivals going yeah. on in bangladesh boychak's coming up bengali yes. new year in april exactly yeah so let's talk about the questions themselves because i'm sure we have many listeners here who want to learn more about say specifics of different cultures but they may not feel as comfortable asking certain questions so in your opinion is there a right or wrong way of asking these questions it's completely fine to ask so where are you from like more generic questions and like allow the individual on the other end to speak and explain where their background's from i feel like if someone wants to tell you where they're from like if you ask me like where are you from and all that probably be like yeah i'm from new york my parents are from Maldesh, so like i'm also mm-hmm. bengali like i'm like someone who's willing to elaborate but sometimes i think that generic question of like yeah like so where are you from allows people to stand on how much they want to and eventually like i guess as you get to know people much better they'll elaborate but it's definitely not good to ask question with the assumption an example i would say so when i had initially come to like unc and i'd been introduced to like a friend of a friend his initial question was oh yeah so what part of india are you from north or south and that to me was like neither <laughs> like you know like just being like and then like the follow-up question was oh then you must be from like pakistan or like some other country i think that in itself is a problematic way of asking someone because you're just disregarding Mm. their cultural identity might be and like where they might be from and like it was interesting enough because this individual also kind of like was mispronouncing my name and instead of being like Pariha he was like Pariha those sort of things are just can rub anyone on the receiving end the wrong way especially someone like me who's like yeah I could tell you about my culture if you ask it in like a proper way like I don't have any issue of sharing it's just like I would prefer you not assume that I am you know like certain identity not that also motivated me to start like the association that we have be at the forefront of using cultural competency and awareness i think when people are faced with those questions it takes people off guard and people can get mm-hmm. easily like offended start out generic everyone will share eventually and like you could find out and 
like there is a right and wrong way the right way is to just you know like start as a conversation and not assume and the wrong way obviously is like if you assume someone's from there and just like clarifying with your own sort of bias that oh yeah you must be from that because like this is how you look so, right yeah. yeah i think the scenario you just described is one of those classic cases of being generalized and grouped into just one group of south asian and i think you also touched on an important point about pronouncing one's name so i would love to hear your thoughts about that when people mispronounce your name and never even feel the need to ask how to pronounce it correctly oh yeah let's go through the different pronunciation shall yes. we so i've gotten faria fariha friha or free someone even shortened it to free I was like, no, mm-hmm. like it's literally spelled. Or like even like Faria. The thing is, I feel so bad for my mother because she thought she had picked like a easily phonetically like pronounceable name, Fariha. And it's just so many variations at a point. I remember one time I'd reduce my name to Ria. Call me Ria. Wow. It's so much easier. Like even at Starbucks, when I get my order, I don't say Fariha. I say Ria because I'm so sick of them not getting it. I feel like everyone should make the effort. Like my thing is like if you can pronounce like names like Schwarzenegger and like whatnot like you could pronounce because that name is harder <laughs> than like <laughs> my name i think if you can make the effort to learn that then you definitely can have the courtesy to ask before you maybe say like how do you pronounce it and it's completely fine people don't get offended if you ask them how do i say your name and like they'll be more than happy to like let you know the correct pronunciation but then again as we were talking about people just want to get it out of the way right much attention definitely is not given especially people who never make sure that they're ensuring that they're addressing you properly um, there are much more harder names yes <laughs> there are much more harder you know it brings me back to i think last year about kamala harris and when she was in the race and how so many individuals were mispronouncing her name and there was absolutely no effort to say it right and her name was made fun of so many times and it, it's yeah. just a really relatable thing for sure and i think it's you know this is the identity that people work for is establishing at least with respect to that right I mean, I remember my mom, like, at the point was like, I just feel so bad. Because <laughs> she's like, I literally went, you know, like, I don't know if your folks had it, but, like, my folks had the whole name book. It's a very cultural, like, they had, like, <laughs> Bangali, it's called the Bangali Nam book, where they, like, it's, like, a list of many, like, baby names. She made sure not to name me, like, not so hard. Because like, she's like, oh, this could be mispronounced. Fariha seems like it's short and sweet, it'll be easy. And then now, years later, she's like, wow, even that's hard. <laughs> you know, so on the topic of different cultural aspects, especially Bengali cultural aspect. Want to come back to food because food is such a big part of our culture. Any recommendation? Fish is a delicacy. Yeah. It's like Ilishmas. That's like at every Bengali festival, whether that be boishak or even just a wedding or anything that's like the main fish. Yeah. And yeah, recently my mom cooked like shoisha ilish, which is like with like sesame seeds. It's like very like tangy, but it's, I think it's very delicious. So yeah, there's just so much of a diversity. I, I can't even name the fishes. <laughs> like there's so many fishes. And so yeah, yeah, fish is definitely one. Another thing is the street food. We eat a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like somosa, fuska, which like, you could also think of as like pani puri, golgape. There's so many names for it. Fuska is like hands down my favorite. And like Bengalis are also known for like pitas and pottas. So pitas are like, I don't know how to really explain pitas, so help me out. <laughs> it's kind of... 
fried cake. Yeah, like fried cakes to like maybe like even like crepe stuff with fillings. They come in different varieties. They're savory and sweet. So like we even have pita parties, like the thing. Like, you know, instead of like a kitty party or something like that, you just have a pita party where like all the aunties make these pitas. I did not know that. Yeah, and then there's potas. You know, like potas is, I think the best way to say it is anything that you like make a paste of and just eat it with rice. There's like called doina pata pata. It's like cilantro pata. Yeah, it's I guess like, you can call that mashed cilantro. I guess, yeah. It sounds weird, <laughs> but if you put like sesame oil and I guess like you boil the cilantro and chili pepper and garlic and you just like food process it and it actually tastes really good with rice. So I highly recommend. And there's like also like a lot of potas that are good for health, like kalijira. It's like this black seed. Or like shutki. Oof, y'all. Shutki. <laughs> uh, kudos to anyone who could eat it. Any of our audiences who could eat it. The stench just kills me. It's like dried fish and it's like stinky fish. Not to offend anyone, but yeah, I just cannot. <laughs> I to like be able to smell what I eat, and if I smell that, I can't eat it. <laughs> So. Uh, I relate so much to that. My parents love shutki so much. Our parents' generation are like shutki snobs. Like they will eat shutki day and night. And we're just like, you, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I was living in Bangladesh, I would see shutki and I'd be like, put that away. Like, I, I don't want this on my plate. Yeah. So, you know, we are talking about food and language and all of that. So, I am aware that you visited Bangladesh a couple of years ago. What was it like when you visited Bangladesh? Yeah. Yeah, so honestly, there was definitely a big gap. Because like when I was younger, I used to go to Bangladesh every summer holiday. I think that's a lot of Desi kids going back to South Asia every single summer holiday when they could. Because we got like that two to three month break. But this was, I think, my, the winter break of my freshman year. And I think it's just collectively, this was the first time my dad, my mom and I went. And so when I went there and stayed with my chacha, so my dad's brother, he's like in the army there. We call it cantonment, but living in yeah. that scenario, you're stuck because it's like in and out that procedure of checking out of the army mm-hmm. base that was a little different but also it's i felt more bengali than my cousins who were there because <laughs> mm-hmm. i think they it's like since i was there they were like oh like we have to speak with her in english like and i was like no i can speak bangla <laughs> like you know like i understand you want to practice but hey i want to like we're in bangladesh let's talk bangla <laughs> and like it was so interesting everything's like more westernized i would think mm-hmm. than what mm-hmm. i recall it was and like you have to be more cautious like you can't eat street food there's always this fear of getting sick right so like right. it's like you have to be 10 times more cautious i'm like i wasn't allowed to speak when we went to all the stores or whatnot because apparently all the store people could figure out your american accent <laughs> and then the price tag went from 1000 daka 1000 daka is like 10 dollars. but like yeah it's like if something was that all of a sudden they hear me talk and it became like 5000 daka like because they're like oh this person's from bidish so they have you know money to drop and so that was very funny because i was like wow i can't even talk because then my mom and like my aunt and like can't bargain oh the bargain right. that's something that stayed same like people yeah. got a bargain <laughs> so coming back to the South Asian theme one of the big things about growing up is South Asian in diverse countries is the exposure you get to like other South Asian cultures so what are some aspects of other South Asian cultures that you absolutely love yeah I mean to start off with I think everyone could relate to Bollywood <laughs> absolutely I, I think Bollywood music Bollywood movies movies that's how like i learned how to speak hindi because of like bollywood and even like pakistani tv serials it's something that i really enjoy the more you watch the more you learn about different cultures and for me someone who just like really likes consuming different avenues of entertainment that was a big thing that i like really enjoyed about like both the cultures and like i just think scenic views i always aspire to go 
India or like Pakistan or one day yes or like even other like Nepal because they have such like think, historic landmarks and cool things to see like I've never seen the Taj Mahal I want to see it me neither yeah, yeah and sure. I'm like a very history junkie so I really love the Mughal era so just seeing that throughout I know there's like definitely palaces and whatnot there's not so much in Bangladesh I would say I don't know if like there was much like royalties out there but I know that like in other places there definitely are so I think like landmark and like most definitely like people it's so fun to engage with people from like their like South Asian backgrounds because I think we oftentimes find that we have so much more similar than different mm-hmm. and just like kind of like engaging in conversations and like just having that mutual understanding of being Desi that is always fun and like I think our conversations are always like so enriching and they're like entertaining and you know that sense of camaraderie or that sense of belonging is what made us create this project yeah finding an avenue to get different South Asian people to connect with each other and all of that yeah and I hope that through this we could sort of also introduce different perspectives careers initiatives that the South Asian community especially like in the South they're doing there's so many things going on especially at the collegiate mm-hmm. level to like even locally well Fariha I had such a wonderful time talking to you and Likewise. once again thank you so much for joining us today yeah thank you for having me and I'm so stoked that we're finally getting this started and more episodes to come everyone for sure yes absolutely what you said I so so admire your vulnerability and so thankful for you to share some pieces of your life here with us of course anytime and thank you everyone for joining us tonight we will be back soon but until then goodbye